I hope to uh, spend the night with you tonight in sort of developing um, a bit of a practical worksheet in your life or for your life in the whole area of walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Something that caught my attention as we were, have been studying in Galatians is the particular phrase that I introduced to you last week, and it's not my introduction, of course, it's, it's right out of Galatians, but in, ver- in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, we are told that we are called to be free. So that, to me, um, puts a certain... Uh, framework around the whole idea of this freedom that Christ has purchased for us by his death on the cross, that we understand that he has um, died for us that we might be free, but that we are called, in fact, called to be free. So it is a a divine um, appointment by God, but there is a expectation on our part to respond to that call that there's an onus put on us to understand what it means to be free and, and to, to express that in our lives. And um, I suspect if you're, if you're like me, you are tired of fighting the Holy Spirit for control of your life. I, I know I am. It's, it's, it's an ongoing battle in, in my life of trying to interpret, am I... Am I still fighting for control today? I mean, after all of these years of of knowing the Lord and understanding what he what he wants, I'm still fighting to be in control of my life. And and uh, I think that uh, as we work our way through this in a fresh way through Galatians, it's not new, perhaps to many of you who've studied through this. But as we come back to it again, to me, it's all. It, it's, it's fresh all over again, and, and I realize that, that it is um, necessary for us to win, this, to win this fight in the sense of finally giving ourselves over and surrendering to the Lord more of the time than we don't. And so this whole idea of being called to be free, and so tonight I wanted to work on a little bit of a worksheet with you on the, on the whole idea of taking the Holy Spirit seriously. Um, what called to be free really, I think, means. I see it that there are really three different kinds of people navigating their lives around in the Christian kingdom. There are freedom stealers, there are free spirits, and there are free loaders. And um, that kind of gives us the range of what we are trying to do with this whole idea of freedom. The, the ones who are free, freedom stealers are are those who, for some reason, have, um, in their life, are living like they don't believe that the Spirit is safe enough. And so they're stealing back that freedom and saying, I've got I've to take control of this because I can't really trust the Holy Spirit to take control of my life and, and, and make sure that I live in a way that pleases God, which seems absurd, but frankly, great quantities of us do that. Freeloaders on the other side are, are taking advantage of freedom and, and just um, cutting loose in life because they don't really believe that living for the Spirit would enrich their lives enough. 
And so they're simply living on, on the, uh, the freeloading side of, of life. And then, of course, there's the free spirits who are living in freedom that Christ wants us to have, living by the power and direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. So you are in one of those camps, and likely you shift around, moving from one of these three and recognizing, well, there, there's where I am. So... Um, in in um, any old covenant rely any old covenant reliance on ritual has got to go if we understand the nature of this freedom in Christ, uh, because the real is found in Christ, and of course any reliance on the flesh that we have had or would attempt to uh, utilize as as an attempt to worship the Lord must give way to reliance on the Spirit only. Because anything that bypasses a relationship with Christ as sole reliance in this, as, as this, our sole reliance as a starting point will end badly and uh, will end as a very messy outcome. In fact, Galatians five nineteen to 20 talks about that and we're going to get there next week or, or in a few weeks from now, actually. So let me just um, point out to you once again in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21 that... Um, the Apostle Paul says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, in other words, freeloaders, those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is this leap over being led by the Spirit that leads to dying or living like we are dying, actually. Or there is faith, as we have understood it, that expresses itself through love. So what, in fact, then does, and there's, a, there's many different phrases that talk about being led by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, freedom in the Spirit, all the same thing. And, and we, can, we can talk about living for the Lord. I mean, any of the kinds of phrases that we talk about which res, re, uh, are, are with reference to how we live as believers... Are, are really these kinds of phrases. What does it look like? What is it in practice? It seems to me that if we are called, then there are some responsibilities placed upon us. It, sh- it should have a positive and a negative component because we are freed from and freed for. Now, here's the truth, and here's what you can bank on. The Holy Spirit will lead you away from sinfulness, away from selfishness, and away from Satan. You can count on that. You have been called to that. You can bank on that in your life. The Holy Spirit will call you from, will lead you from sin, will lead you from Self will lead you from Satan's influence. And the Holy Spirit, you can count on this, will lead you to Christ's energy, desires, and purposes. This is the promise to every believer. This is what he wants us to experience, what he wants us to, to uh, experience every day of our lives. So, The Spirit will lead us away from sin, selfishness, Satan's influence, which, by the way, 
all the law could ever do is make us feel guilty about. And many people choose to continue to live their lives in some sort of uh, utilizing the monitor of guilt. That's not walking free in the Spirit. All the law can ever do is make you feel guilty about how you're living. Not free. And selfishness, sin, Satan's influence are what our flesh craves or is addicted to. Only the Spirit can break us of those cravings and those addictions. So you can't do this yourself. You can't do this in your own strength. As much as we fight for control and we fight to try and do this, you can't. Only the Spirit of God can lead you away from these things, give you freedom, and only the Spirit of God can can lead you to Christ's desires and purposes, to choices to love Him, to serve Him, to sacrifice for His purposes. Only walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, will enable that to happen in your life. I thought it would be helpful for us, perhaps, to notice Jesus as the model of the Spirit-led life. So if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, maybe we can get some, some practical guidance from this, this uh, uh, the early part of Christ's ministry himself as a pattern for what we are likely to face in opposition to walking in the Spirit and how Jesus himself related to that. Now you should notice in Matthew chapter, actually chapter 3, just before chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16... As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. The Spirit of God came upon Jesus Christ. In a full sense of that. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With with him I am well pleased. Not that this has really a lot to do with what we're talking about tonight, this comment that I'm going to make, but I want you to notice here, there wasn't a lot of, of, grand, of, of hoopla and, 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 and um, you know, expressiveness. And, and here the Spirit of God is, is descending and coming upon Christ. And it's, it's, um, it's, almost, a, it's almost as if it's uh, somewhat decidedly calm. And matter of fact. And then Christ proceeds with this leading of the Spirit to be led into the wilderness. So there's fundamentally in, in the first re- reaction, the first analysis here of what we see in Christ is just a, a resolve to rely upon the leading of the Spirit in his life. Not a lot of grand fanfare. Not a lot of what people claim you're supposed to experience when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus then, it says, was led by the Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That also, to me, um, is often 
a different expectation than one would have in having the leading of the Spirit. But it's very real to life. And then there's a series of events, three, three particular vignettes here, that really cover all of the bases virtually that we struggle with in the whole area of control in the Spirit. And the first notice is this. The tempter, verse 3, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, look after the needs of your flesh. Depend on yourself. Temptation one. Temptation that we face almost minute by minute in our lives, don't we? Depend on yourself. Depend on your flesh. Depend on you. Take care of your needs. Your most immediate fleshly needs. And what is Jesus' response? Remember, walking in the Spirit, what we're talking about here? Being led by the Spirit. Being moved by the Spirit. Being filled by the Spirit. Being in step with the Spirit. What does it look like? Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. No, Christ responds, I need to depend on the source of life. What I really need is what God proclaims, ideas God wants to make come alive in my life and in my heart. Satan's temptation to him is to choose self. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to choose life. Now, bread is important, but it's not enough. The flesh is not enough. I think it's important for us to see here in the response to this that, the, that spiritual living never minimizes the Scriptures. What he says here is truly walking in the Spirit in the combat of the flesh is to live by the Scriptures, to trust in what God says, to lean on God, to choose life over the material. He never bypasses the Word of God. It's a strategic, important in Christ's life in terms of responding to depend on self. So, uh, having been eclipsed by that act of walking in the Spirit... The tempter goes on in verse 9 to say, Then the devil took him to the holy city, to be Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he says, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What's this? Test the limits of God's grace to you. Go ahead. Let's see how far you can go from him and still have him. Go ahead, host a religious sideshow and serve spiritual junk food. Independently jump. The whole idea of, of testing the boundaries of God. And what's his response? It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
No, Jesus' reply is, God's grace isn't so I can get saucy and sensual and do whatever I want. Testing God's loyalty to me. I will not see how far I can go or how much I can get away with. Trying to make God jealous. Putting his love to the test. You see this? Truly walking in the spirit doesn't crave the sensational. Religious sideshows. God doesn't prove himself through crazy stuff. Nor does he want his credibility trusted through our human showboating. So, no, there's no warrant. In in the first place, there's no warrant to trust in the flesh, to serve the flesh, nor is there a warrant to, to, to cast all restraint off and do whatever I want. It's somehow um, forcing God to look after my crazy stuff. Let's see how far I can go away from God and still have him too. To independently jump. That's a satanic idea. Spiritual living isn't showy. Spiritual living doesn't minimize the scriptures. Spiritual living isn't showy. And then finally the third. Again, the devil takes him up to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. You know what this smells like to me? Consumerism. Go ahead, I'll give you all of this. Have it all. Indulge yourself. Give to you. Consume. Jesus' response, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What I need, Jesus says, is to give myself fully to the Father. To worship him To serve him, go away, Satan, in your fleshly ways. Jesus teaches us. How do you respond to consumerism? It's not about me. It's not that walking in the Spirit isn't about giving to me. Walking in the Spirit isn't about worshiping me. It's about worshiping the Lord. Walking in the Spirit isn't about serving me. It's about serving the Lord. Spiritual living doesn't result in consumerism. Truly in the Spirit makes Christ priceless. So spiritual living is an addiction to the things of this world. So I, I see here really that the Christ responding to the very same things that we face all the time in, in trying to wrestle through our lives and taking the Holy Spirit seriously and what it means to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, um, uh, be filled with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, freedom in the Spirit. The constant temptation, the constant testing in our lives is, is will you trust in the flesh? Will the flesh be more, most important to you? Or will you in turn say, no, I'm not going to choose the flesh. I'm not going to make a decision on the flesh. I'm going to see what God is proclaiming, what God wants. What's God's word? No, I'm not going to somehow demonstrate how free I am or how much I can can, uh, 
test God's limits by doing whatever I want to do. That's not the freedom that he's called me to. Go ahead, jump off the, jump off the, the, uh, the pinnacle of the, of the temple. No, God's, that's not how I demonstrate that I'm being led by the Spirit, Jesus says. Not be showy and sensational, crazy. It doesn't demonstrate being led by the Spirit. That doesn't demonstrate the presence of the Spirit. What demonstrates the presence of the Spirit, says Jesus, is that you do not try to test God's loyalty to you. Go ahead. Want. Consume. That's constantly the issues around us. That, that's the ethos of our culture. That's, that's what we live. That, in fact, that's what generates, for the most part, our economy. I mean, that's, that's what makes the North American world work, is our addiction to consuming. In the um, world of being led by the Spirit, it's entirely opposite to that that we are called to worship the Lord and not ourselves to serve the Lord and not ourselves so what's your struggle of these that we look at of these three that kind of represent universally the challenge to walking in the spirit what's yours what's your struggle is it a struggle to depend on yourself is it, the struggle, is, is it the struggle with independent um, uh, tr- taking freedom for granted and, and sort of an independent style of life that, that, that tests all the boundaries and the outer margins of, of how far can I go and still be a Christian? Relying on God who loves me so much to pick up the pieces? Is that your deal? Or are you battling with consuming self, selfishness? Which one is the hard, has the hardest hold on you? Which one's presently interfering with you being free to walk in the Spirit? What haven't you given over to the Lord? Well, I don't want this to be entirely uh, about one person talking to you, but we need to hear from God as well. We need to talk to God about these things. So let's take a few moments right now of pause. Think on this, what you see in Christ's life. As you were going through this and as the Spirit of God was speaking to you even, saying, yeah, that's something that's in your life. And take some time right now just to, to... reflect on it and, 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 and pray about it. Maybe, maybe with the person next to you, simply say, hey, listen, here's the deal that's a real challenge in my life. Here's what I'm struggling with. Or here's, here's what, what I have the hardest time uh, getting past to be walking in the Spirit. Would you pray for me? Let's spend a few moments in prayer, either by yourself or with someone else. And I would encourage you to, to grab the person next to you and say, hey, pray for me about this. I need prayer. I really think the best way that we can 
help to help ourselves to understand the nature of this walking in the Spirit, being in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. It's about a relationship. I know you've heard that, but I'm not sure we've let that register in our, in our own hearts and our own lives as to what this really looks like. It's not, it's not some sort of formula or some sort of special um, checklist. Think about someone who you really love and care for. How is it you live with them? How, how do you interact with them? How do you make decisions with them in your life? Ashok and I were talking about this this afternoon for a, a, a few moments. About He noticed that we were going through Galatians, and he said to me, you know, um, it was one of the great studies that he did a few years ago. And he said, I, you know, I, he, said I, he told me he's a very disciplined person. He said, I'm a very disciplined person. You know, I have my set routine of getting up in the morning, reading the scriptures, praying. But he said, the Lord impressed upon his heart as he was going through this study in Galatians. Are you getting up and praying and, doing, and, and reading the scriptures just because you're disciplined to do it? Or because you want to get up and relate to me? Is, is this because you love me or because you're disciplined? The discipline is good. But the discipline isn't enough. This walking in the Spirit of God is about having a real relationship that, that guides us and helps us as we think about how we love Him and how He loves us. And when you think about it, in Jesus' pattern, it was all about His love for the Father. Of course He was hungry. He was out there fasting. Satan comes along and says, make some bread. It's not that bread was bad. He just simply said, I love God more than bread. I love the Father more than bread. When, when the suggestion was to, to cast yourself off the, uh, the, the corner of the temple, the point that he was making was, I, I don't want to test the Father on this. I love my Father. I know he loves me. I know in the course of life he will take care of me. I don't need to, 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 to put that to a test. I don't want to make choices that, that chase me away to the fringes of where God may or may not be pleased with me. I don't want to go that far. I don't want to go over there and find out if God still loves me away over here. I don't want to because I love him. And then the idea, of course, of giving him all of, the, all of the kingdoms of the world. I love the Father more than all there is in the world, is Jesus' response. So you see that every single choice that he made, every single decision, was based fundamentally upon his vital relatedness to the Father. That's what walking in the Spirit really is. It is cultivating a love for God that is greater than life itself. So, we just said, by way of song, speak to me, Lord. Speak to us. So let's hear from him, Ephesians 4 Verse 17, listen. So I tell you this. 
and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Listen to the language here. Having lost all sensitivity. Sensitivity to what? To the Lord. Sensitivity to their creator. The God who loves them. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, to put on divine desires. Or maybe better, in terms of describing it, Submit to the divine desires that have already moved into your life. Helping each other to make that, those choices. Are you submitting to the desires of God in this decision that you're going to make? Is this because you love God so much? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not... Sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. You see all these? Love your neighbor. Don't do this. Love them. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is love language. This is love God with all of your heart and love your neighbors yourself stuff. Walking in the Spirit is nothing more or less than that. And so in the updates and upgrades department of your life, what has God's Spirit been saying to you about these things of loving God with all of your heart, loving your neighbors yourself? You know, the Holy Spirit will regularly tap you on the shoulder and say, do you want to make a, an update on your loving program toward God? Do you want to obey this scriptural imperative? And you know, I, I'm going to use computer stuff. Like, I, I'm feeling so computer savvy these days. You'd never know how little I know. Or maybe you do. <laughs> But you know how it comes up? It pops up. It's like, you want to make the change now? Not now or ignore? Like, go away? Well, that's what you can do in your life, you know, with the Holy Spirit. God taps you on the shoulder 
with a scriptural thing that pops up in church or in your devotions or whatever. And it's an area of, well, let's just say you're not really obeying. And he'll, he'll ask the question, the Holy Spirit will ask the question, are you going to obey this? And it's a decision, it's a love decision right there on the spot. It's a decision to say, no, remind me later, put it off, or don't show me this again. Or he'll ask you if you want to make an upgrade in your loving of your neighbor app in your life. Like some really creative personal sacrifices to show Christ's love. You want to do something that will really put high octane into your loving your neighbor app? Go through the scriptures and look up all of the one another's in the Bible. There's a whole slew of them. And um, every day, pick a new one another from the scriptures and invite the Lord to make that come alive, energize that, upgrade that app in your life today. That's the kind of high-octane, walking-in-the-spirit energizing that will change, revolutionize your life. Loving God, loving your neighbors. This is what we're talking about in this faith, expressing itself through love. What is it that God wants? What is the only thing Paul says that counts? Faith, expressing itself through love. Does it not seem that if we really loved God, if we really wanted to upgrade our relationship if we really wanted to know what it was like to walk in the spirit and and be led by the spirit and be filled by the spirit don't you think we would would practically decide to choose those things in scripture that are outlined for us that show that we love God and show that we love one another can I advise you to do that what are the pop-ups that God brings up in your life If you ignore them, he gets quieter. If you respond to them, the Lord speaks to you. It does no good to sing a chorus, speak to me. Speak, Lord, to me. Speak, Lord, to us. If when he speaks to us, we don't respond to him. So let's... um, Let's take a moment right now and pause for prayer again and invite God to give us those updates and upgrades, to bring them to our attention, to bring them to our awareness. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. What, how, how can our relationship grow to another level? That's the question that we're asking. How can our, how can our relatedness, Lord, become even more vital? You know, there are people in life who you just say, that person walks with God. It should be the hunger and thirst of all of our lives. I want to be that man. Don't you want to be that man? Don't you want to be that woman? I want to be that person who walks with God. Then invite him. Tell him to speak to you and you will listen. And he will. He'll speak to you. Let's pray.
You may be saying, well, you know, I really, I really want to get some traction in this whole walking in the Spirit. But for some reason, I just can't seem to make progress. And um, I'm not sure why. You've probably all had a relationship with someone who perhaps only gave you a part of themselves or they shut you out of things. You just can't seem to make traction into a real relationship. It's possible for us to sort of keep areas of our lives and try to keep God at a sort of safe distance. Well, you're never going to experience the fullness of what it is to walk in the Holy Spirit if you're keeping him at some sort of distance or at bay. The Apostle Paul goes on to write in Ephesians chapter 5, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's relationship language. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then, How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can I suggest to you, and this is a checklist as we conclude tonight, a prayer checklist, a decision checklist, a choice checklist, a checklist for you personally, a checklist for you parents to lead and guide your children, a checklist for friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, one with the other. This is not exhaustive by any means. But let me suggest to you a few things. There can be areas in our lives where we are crowding out the influence of the Holy Spirit because of bad choices we are making. So let's call this a Holy Spirit leading checklist before taking off. Before you go on some life adventure, you should run some of these questions by. Is this a loving God, loving people choice that I'm about to make? Or is it a loving me choice at the expense of one or the other? Is it? Just throw every decision, every, every, every um, direction you're going to choose to go, every choice you're going to make, throw up that question in front of it. Is this a loving God with all of my heart choice? Is this a loving my neighbor with 
as my self-choice? Or is this putting in jeopardy either of those two? A second question, is this just me time? And how much of that is healthy? Uh, this one gets to me. This question gets to me when I, when I throw it at myself. Because the Lord God is going to have us give account for all of the time that he has given us and how we spend it. Do we need some me time? I think probably. But here's where the, the next question maybe directs us with the healthiness of this. How's my serving? Am I on Christ's mission? Being spiritually intentional or am I random and squandering time and resources? How's my serving? Oh, I want to walk in the Spirit. Well, how's your serving? Remember what what Satan's temptation was to Jesus? Here's all the kingdoms of the world. You can have all this stuff. Consume this stuff. He said, no, no. I... Uh, my responsibility is to worship God, to serve Him only. How about um, in line with this third question, what am I doing with what I have been spiritualed to do? I'm just simply translating straight across a word from 1 Corinthians 12.1. You have all received a nematocoan, a spiritual What that means is an ability given by God, now energized by His Spirit to make a kingdom impact. What am I doing? Am I fully engaged in the stewardship of those gifts that God has given me? Gift or gifts? I want to walk in the Spirit, but I'm not engaged in in exercising what God has enabled me to do for His kingdom? And the fifth question... As I said, not an exhaustive list, but one that I hope would be practical and help. Am I just making excuses for the lack of Holy Spirit transformation in my life? In other words, I don't have time. Or I'm filling up my time with me time. Past hardships in my life. You don't know what I've gone through. It's just my genetics. Or my environment or my circumstances, or my laziness? Do we continue to make excuses for why our relationship is not more fired up with the living God? None of these excuses hold water. You all have been called to freedom. Every one of us. We have been called to be free from our sin our self, which means all the past, genetics, all that stuff, and Satan's influence. And we have been called to be energized by the Spirit of God to live free. I'm really convinced in my life and your life that when we really finally believe that Christ alone offers what real living is, We will say yes to the upgrades and the updates every single time. We will tear down every excuse and every obstacle 
anything that's getting in the way of our relationship with the Lord. I think that the Apostle Paul writes in all of his epistles, if we could summarize them, he would be saying to us all, get free, little children. Go back to the bondage of sin and self and Satan. No more. Rather, take the Holy Spirit seriously in your lives. The storyline of the universe is a creator God who decided to make creatures, human beings, to love, to have a relationship with. You know that he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in relationship with them until sin caused that relationship to be damaged. And then at the very end of the book, at the end of the scriptures, the great exclamation there is, in response to heaven, now the dwelling of God is with man. From the very beginning, right through to the very end, eternity on. It's about God in relationship with people. And walking in the Spirit is simply the in-between time of that relationship with God. So never fall in love with rules. Never fall in love with riotous living. Rather, be in love with God who loves you. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the storyline of the Bible. And make choices in your life that reflect your understanding of how much God loves you and you in turn love Him. And it is walking in the Spirit. That's what it is. Well, I want to encourage you to be encouraged this week. To love the Lord. Love your neighbors yourself. Grow in the Lord. Walk with Him. And your life will be enriched. I'm looking forward to next week. I want to encourage you to come back next week. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity yet to sign up for an international dinner on this coming Saturday night, don't miss the opportunity tonight to do that and then come next Saturday. We have a, not only a, a great international buffet, which is always a great thing, but Mark Middleton will be with us, a great missionary statesman who we love, a great friend of this ministry, and a real bonus to our missionary conference. He's going to be speaking to us about the great things that God is doing in, in, in and around uh, his ministry and mission. Um, so that'll be a great Saturday night. And then Sunday and on through Monday and Tuesday, we'll have our, our missionary statesman with us. Uh, lots of electives, great, um, great reports of the glory of God, which was a great kickoff this morning with Ashok. And uh, looking so forward to our keynote speaker, Michelle Khalil, who is an uh, Egyptian uh, man, uh, one to the Lord, and has served in the Middle East in, in uh, risky settings with uh, a passion for Christ. You won't want to miss uh, this coming weekend. So uh, we look forward to that. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your greatness among us. We, Lord, help us to understand the nature of relationship with you. Help us not to make this complicated. Help us not to um, 
um, put obstacles and barriers in the way of the fullness of a relationship that you want to have with us, that Christ died that we might have. We've been called to freedom. Uh, Freedom to relate to our God. Uh, Let us not... uh, interfere with any of the benefits of what that is, Lord. I I pray that we might love you with all of our hearts. I pray, Father, that we might understand that bread is great, but but your word is what we need. I pray, Father, that we might desire in our hearts your glory and your honor and, and demonstrate our loyalty to you, not put you to the test, See how far we can stray and hope you'll reel us back in. Lord, let us not be caught up with the things of this world, lured by them, longing for them. Let us love you more than life itself. Let us worship you and not ourselves. Let us serve you and not ourselves. Let us truly, Father, feel in our hearts a fresh passion and desire to love you and to love one another, Lord, deeply. May we express it deeply with one another, I pray. For Jesus' sake, who died that we might be able to have this. Amen.